Hi folks, it's Dr. Christine Sauer here and welcome to today's episode of Sparkles for Better Mental Health, Growth in Five Dimensions. And today I'm extremely excited to have Norman Plotkin on the call. Welcome, Norman. Thank you, Chris, Dr. Christine. So great to be here. You can just call me Christine. I'm a human being just like everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> now, today's show is about the subconscious mind and how our subconscious mind can help our break our sparkle and our energy and zest for life, as I always say. And you are a hypnotherapist and so much more. And all my guests, I always ask them first, why is you so very much passionate about doing what you're doing? And tell your story, how did you get to who you are today? And what are you doing? <laughs> well, I, I'm a hypnotherapist and um, I got here in the most roundabout way. Uh, you know, I didn't go to college right out of uh, high school. I went in the Marine Corps and then out of the Marine Corps, I worked in the oil fields and then a rock plant like Fred Flintstone. And, and then I climbed telephone poles. And then uh, my brother was killed in a car accident and it kind of woke me up. And at 25, I went back to college and I was on fire. Uh, I got it done in, in three and a half years. Um, and um, I was interested in government, and so I was a, a political science major, and I came to university in the state capital of California. California is like a nation state. It um, has its own very large government, and uh, I worked my way up from clerk to consultant. Then I was the committee consultant for the health committee and the insurance committee, and then um, I went to work as a lobbyist for the medical association representing physicians, and I was very... Uh, involved in health policy. And uh, so I did that, that career, that trajectory was about 25 years. And uh, what happened was I got sick and um, I had uh, cancer, papillary carcinoma, thyroid cancer. And um, interestingly, from an energetic perspective, my throat chakra I spoke for others. I didn't have my authentic voice. And so the block, which was in my throat chakra, the thyroid, and it controls everything. And so um, that that's a very powerful gland slash organ. And uh, it really disrupted my life. Uh, my, my immediate response was, I'm going to fight this thing. And I fell, fell right into line with um, allopathy and um, the, you know, the evidence-based medicine book says, uh, uh, remove the organ and radiate and, um, you know, and, and then, and then chemical therapy with the hormone replacement for the rest of your life. And so that's the, that's the path I followed. And um, I then, you know, after all of those procedures and dutifully going where I was told and doing what I was told to do, uh, I just wanted to get back to normal. What I came to find out when it returned, six months later, I had another scan and it was back and I had to have a second round of radiation, I-131 uh, ablation. Uh, normal was what made me sick. And so this high stress of the career I was in, the drinking, you know, as a lobbyist, you got to be able to go to the cocktail parties and <laughs> anyway, um, it, was a, it was an unhealthy lifestyle. And I found it incongruent with 
my spirit. And as much as I love the policy and the um, the you know the the strategy of it, it's it's dirty. Politics is dirty. The things it, you know are unsavory, and um, these things led to uh, you know my condition. And so after the second round of radiation, you know it's never just about the cancer. My marriage didn't survive that whole episode, and I began what has been a 12-year awakening and spiritual journey. And part of that was uh, teachers began to appear. I had um, a friend who had gotten out of politics and she opened a yoga studio and she took me through therapeutic yoga for cancer and she taught me how to meditate. The the same uh, hyperactive mind that made me a really good analyst and consultant and lobbyist was uh, was treacherous when you navigate the murky waters of a, a disease like cancer. And so um, getting control of my self-talk and my overactive mind and being quiet and still, learning my dosha, my constitution, and how to eat for it. Alcohol is like throwing gasoline on the fire for a pitta like myself, and which is my dominant constitution. And so learning these things, learning how to eat, learning how to care for myself and, you know, what things to avoid, what foods to avoid and, and the, you know, getting control of my overactive mind. And so what that led me to was an understanding of the power of the subconscious mind. Not only did I read books like Wayne Dyer's The Power of Intention and Carol Meese's Anatomy of the Spirit and Deepak Chopra's Quantum Healing and Dr. Joe Dispenza and Dr. Brian Weiss. And I mean, the list goes on, but, um, I I read Joseph Murphy's Power of the Subconscious Mind, and I began to focus my mind and direct myself in ways that were more consistent with my spirit. And I'd had, it was really difficult. Um, I've had these gifts my whole life, but didn't understand them. And uh, as a as a uh, toxic masculine. <laughs> You know, the military and the oil fields. And, you know, I, I joke with that term, but um, the, it it's easier for women to understand their empathy and their ability and their gifts. I've experienced all of the Claire's, clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairaugustance, and um, I didn't know what to make of it. And so uh, these understanding my, the powerful subconscious mind and what, what, um, what led to the development of my cancer, what role I had in the cancer. And I, um, I moved away from Sacramento to get away from the drama of the divorce and you know, to regroup, to regather myself. I went to LA and I was there and things just led. I, I had a contract doing some of the same stuff I used to do and the contract ended and I'm like, now what? And I was, I believe I was divinely guided uh, there's a college of a nationally accredited college of hypnotherapy in Los Angeles. And I found my way there and I, I never looked back. It was rigorous enough for, for my, I need, I need, you can get a certificate and learn how to hypnotize someone in a weekend, but this was, you know, this is accredited and an 18 month with residency and rigorous enough that, that was uh, sufficient for me to, um, and my need to understand, you can't, charge people for something, you, you know, you can't wade into their life and their experience without proper training. I'll tell you, 
counseling and interviewing was at the time I didn't realize what a powerful class was, but the clients will tell you everything you need to know in the counseling and interviewing. And if you if you create rapport and a safe place for them to share, they'll reveal the things that often they're too close to see themselves. And so um, I just I believe there was divine guidance to the school and to my role uh, as a hypnotherapist to help people with natural solutions. Um, and, and I also believe, you know, I study shamanism. I, I don't call myself a shaman. Uh, Harner's book, The Shaman Way, The Shaman's Way, you know, he's an anthropologist. He takes a very evidence-based approach to uh, the study of uh, the anthropological study of shamanism and, and natural healing. And, and so there's what they call the shamanic healing crisis. And so healers often are faced with their own healing crisis that they must overcome. And that's kind of like a gatekeeper. That's something that uh, you, if you pass this, then you have some of the foundational tools to be in the right place to help people. And so that's kind of in a nutshell, how I found my way. Many people think that it's, you know, wow, from lobbyist to hypnotherapist, you know, for me, it was a natural progression. Thank you for sharing, Norman. That was very powerful, especially when you said normal was what made me sick. And then you talked about having a healing crisis. And many of the healers I have on my show had that crisis and grew from that as people. And I call it in five dimension. But in the end, it is a connection to the spiritual realm that we humans at some point need, especially if we want to heal. And I love how you say that. And I'm not sure if it's really easier for women on average. On average, maybe, but there's women that are more unconscious of their subconscious than some men and vice versa. And yeah, you get I was you get one of the unconscious women that was more like a man. And that's how I, how I have stumbled across that. When it was, on average, it's true. Women tend to be more emotional. It's how you know you get in trouble when you speak in generalities. Uh, Always, yeah, I do that all the time, and and often I say it depends, and it really does. And I love how you focus on the individual, and all healing has to be individual, and that's where modern medicine often fails. And you exemplified that with your thyroid cancer story. Now, what happened to that after the relapse? You still have it? Did it go away? Well, that was uh, 2011 was the original surgery and um, 2012 was the second round of radiation. And so, you know, at this point, I, I you know, I'm, I'm reaching the, the uh, Curie maximums in terms of the amount of radiation I can withstand. So that's not really a route. So, uh, you know, I... I manage my blood. I have, you know, someone look through at my labs and look for tumor markers and TH and TSH levels and, and whatnot. And, uh, and I live a different lifestyle. And um, I have a TCM practitioner to, to traditional Chinese medicine. And I, I undergo acupuncture and cupping and herbal, uh, herbal medicines. And, um, and, and I eat well, and I exercise and I, meditate and all of these things that create wellness 
Ours, I think practices. you work in a field that truly aligns with your passion and purpose. And I know how satisfying it is to help others heal themselves because, or let the divine heal through our hands, because it's not us, uh, even as doctors, healers, or whatever that heal. It's the universe through our hands and the patient themselves. Yes, I, I'm, a, I'm a vessel. And, you know, I read Eckhart Tolle too, Awakening to Your Essential Purpose. But until you, until you find it, it's, you can read the book 10 times. But I've found my soul's purpose. And so cancer is a message. And if you don't learn and understand and hear the message, it won't turn out well for you. And so... It, it, it is really amazing how you did that. And it's important for the listeners to know that every human produces cancer cells every day. It is normal to have some cancer cells, usually at right. undetectable levels. That's and right. only when our innate immune system and our regulation and the body breaks down, then is when it can come out. And yes, cancer was always there and there's tons of factors that can contribute. But had, we have to have a very individualized and, and targeted approach to it. Now, let's go back to the unconscious. The unconscious mind is a very fascinating topic. And I know you work with, uh, or with the materials to do, do regressive therapies, past life regressions. And I did not believe in it until I read Brian Rice's book and was fortunate to hear him actually speak in New York. And I thought, hmm. That man is a real deal. <laughs> and that's when you really realize there's so much more going on than what we little humans know, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. So I saw him speak also in Pasadena at a Hay House conference, and we and it was it was the first it was the morning session, and and the place was packed, and you know there were there were I don't know five six hundred people in the auditorium, and he did a group regression. It was really powerful. Um, so. So let's talk about the subconscious mind for a moment. There's the conscious mind that we believe is in control. That's uh, characterized by. We believe is in control. That's yes, right. That's the belief system, right? And so it's uh, it's where logic, reason, analysis, decision making, willpower, all of these things are uh, the the realm of the conscious mind. We believe they're in control, but our bodies take in through our five senses uh, information. And and the conscious mind categorizes it and organizes it, and then it compares it to the subconscious mind. And if it doesn't comport with your programming that's laid down from the time you're born until about eight or nine years old, if it doesn't, if the information that the conscious mind is bringing in doesn't comport with the subconscious mind, it will reject it. It'll create a rationalization. I'll give you an example. You're not born liking cigarettes, but somewhere along the line, your programming made it okay. And now, even though the package says, the Surgeon General says, this is going to kill you, you pop one out, you light it up, and it smoke away. And your mind creates a rationalization. Well, Aunt Sally smoked two packs a day, and she lived until she was 93. Or I was going to die anyway. I'll just be old. Well, it doesn't work that way. And so, um, so the subconscious mind... It controls everything, the, the, you know, the autonomic nervous system, the, your involuntary operations are controlled by the subconscious mind. It, uh, the subconscious mind always wants to bring you back to homeostasis. So you have a temperature, the subconscious mind uh, recalibrates you back to 98.6 or thereabouts. Uh, uh, and 
it, it, ask any five-year-old who's threatened to commit suicide by holding their breath. Sorry, the subconscious mind is going to make you, you gasp. And so at any rate, the same physiological homeostasis processes uh, of the subconscious mind operate on the behavioral side. And so, for example, you don't have to keep learning how to ride a bike. You learn how to ride a bike, you give it to the subconscious mind, and you do it. Any repetitive uh, activity, uh, any sport, any performer, musician, anyone who does anything with uh, repetition and seeking to advance their abilities, that's the realm of the subconscious mind. Ask an athlete about being in the zone or a musician. They go there. They go someplace. They turn it over to the subconscious mind. And so while that's very powerful on the upside, on the downside, we can have a traumatic experience and we develop a, uh, a coping mechanism. It's very likely to be maladaptive. But we hold on to that maladaptive behavior because it's what got us out of that traumatic experience. And so the trauma response is to always return to that maladaptive behavior because the, the conscious, the subconscious mind loves the known and fears the unknown. It's the same thing that keeps a woman in a battered wife situation. She returns because it's what she knows and she's afraid of what the unknown. And so there are many, many examples of this that this, so it, the danger of the subconscious mind is to get stuck in behaviors that are maladaptive. And so while on the upside, it's super powerful and it leads to performance beyond measure. It's also can unlock superhuman powers like a mom lifting a car off of their child or, you know, similar type examples where the body's capable of extreme uh, measures uh, under, under that autonomic response. But so the, the biggest thing that I do is in working with the subconscious mind is understanding where maladaptive behavior may have originated. And because traumas, trauma is cumulative, sometimes we have to go back through. We have to catalog and go deep. Sometimes it's difficult to uncover that original trauma where the behavior began. And so a lot of times people come in asking for regression past life regression, and sometimes it's more appropriate to regress them to an earlier part of this life. And so, um, and but... Can you tell an example? Not everybody's familiar with the work of Brian Weiss. Uh, if you have a client where you actually did a regression and it uncovered something interesting and significant? Oh, in a past life regression? Yeah, of course. Um, people, uh, our souls make deals and contracts with other souls before we manifest here. So, you know, my son and I agreed, I agreed to be his dad and he agreed to be my son before we, we came here. And, and so um, we travel through time and space. Our souls are eternal. Our biology is temporary. And from my belief system, uh, we, we come here to earth school because this is where emotion this is the realm of emotion, which is difficult, and it's a very low vibration. And so souls come here to learn and understand about emotion. And so we travel through space and time. Oftentimes I do shamanic soul retrievals where um, in bits of our, ourselves have been scattered across time and space through different lifetimes. But examples include, um, uh, I have uh, a woman who is sure that she's known her husband in past lives and we uncovered that they they were 
the, but they were reversed. She was the man and, and he was the woman in a previous life. And, and there was infidelity and that, you know, and, and there was intricate, a cousin showed up as someone else. Um, and so the, there's fascinating things. I've also uncovered, you know, I asked during past life regressions, were there any lessons that you were supposed to bring forward from that life? Do you have any regrets? So, and in typical uh, hypnotherapy, the, the client doesn't speak. I, I guide them and the, the experiences within their subconscious mind in the dream state. But in past life regression, I have to take them deep uh, because I'm going to be asking them questions and I've detailed questions. And I pass from one, uh, we, sometimes in a three hour session, we can cover four or five different lives. And so, and I record them all so that they, they get the recording. And uh, it's super interesting, the things that come up and it, it can be beneficial. Uh, the chief among the benefits has been the uncovering of generational trauma. You know, um, the Human Givens Project out of the UK, they've done a ton of research. It's very fascinating. Um, they, they, according to their research, they um, have the theory that in vitro, we receive our, we're in REM in vitro, in late stage in vitro, and we get a download from our mother. And that this is where generational trauma can be, can be passed on. And so during that REM, we get a download from our mother. And when we emerge, uh, you know, we can be, that can be part of our earliest programming. I had one, I had one client, a uh, very elaborate story. He was in his 70s and he was still sexually active with his wife and he was quite proud of that, but he was using the, the therapy to help, the blue pill, and, but he, he had um, blood pressure problems and they couldn't put him on the thinner and the blue pill at the same time. And so his physician said, well, you know, you could give blood and that would have the same effect of the, the the blood thinner. And so he went to he went to give blood and he was in line at the blood mobile and he had a full-on panic attack and and it came out of nowhere. He he had procedures, he'd given blood as part of you know medical procedures. He had survived cancer, he, you know, these other things, he had heart surgery, and it had never been a problem. But for this, for some reason something triggered from his past and, and he thought it might be past life. I said, well, let's start with this life first. And, um, and I regressed him back and he, to this memory he had, uh, you know, so you have to uncover and the, the, the previous traumas and, and previous to that. And let's go back to a time before that he was like 20 months old and he saw himself standing on the front seat of a 1947 Ford car and his mom was driving and she had just gotten news that her brother died and there was something about giving blood and she said never get blood and he had this he had this memory from when he was 20 months old and so when he uncovered the origin of this irrational fear about giving blood he was able to move forward he, he was so grateful because you know um, consortium was an important part of life for him. And so being restored to that was, was super important. So, uh, so you see what I mean? The things that are available 
Now, Dolores Cannon also, you know, has a whole um, QHHT program. I went through that and I went back. I, I you know, I've got to share. It's a little, it's a little crazy, and I had to take some time to wrap my head around it. But I went through several lives, and there, there was some fascinating details about it. I went to war several times, and I'd left behind. And I, you know, with all the grandeur and ruhaha of war and pomp and circumstance, and I was killed unceremoniously, leaving a family behind. And it, there was nothing glorious about the death that I um, experienced. But I went back and back and back. And I originated as a crystal on a planet a long ways away. And my, my job was to radiate love. Yeah, lovely. And I was, asked lovely. To, I was asked to come here. And radiate love. And so interestingly, I I give all my clients the Reader's Digest version of The Course in Miracles. Love is your birthright. It resides in your heart center. Its opposite is fear. In any moment, you can choose to come from a place of love or fear. Love gives rise to all positive emotions. Fear gives rise to all negative emotions. And so I have them come up with an image, a picture, or an icon, and just practice bringing that love into their heart space 40 times a day because we live in a fear-based world, especially now more than ever. So yeah. thank you for that, Norman. That is very powerful. And yes, some of the listeners will say he's full of whatever, but uh, I know that what you're saying is real. And many uh, listeners will also know it, or if they don't know it, maybe it's a chance for you to try and uh, find out if there's something to it because our subconscious mind, our unconscious is extremely powerful and we experience emotions and our modern society focuses completely on the conscious mind. And in school, we are downloaded with all kinds of information. Most of it we'll never need. But the truth, like Brian Weiss and many, many things, many, many other uh, sages and wise people and youth have said is only love is real. It's the only thing that will heal and hurt us when it's missing wow said beautifully and i know you wrote a few books let us know what you wrote for books and where people can find them and i will put them in the on the website below the video too so people can find it great thank you my first book is called take charge of your cancer the seven proven steps to healing and recovery yeah. now um i want it was a cathartic exercise i wanted to get my story out to the extent that i could if you know, my son saw a five-star review. He was like 14. He saw a five-star review on Amazon of, of my book. And it was from a woman who had bought it for her mom who had breast cancer. And she was so grateful. And it was just, you know, like you could just see it was a tearful bit of gratitude. And my son screenshot it and texted it to me. And so I said, isn't that awesome? You know, if one person's better because of the book and my cancer, then the whole cancer was worth it. So it's, um, it's it's a bit of my story, but it's the things that I uncovered. So these seven things I didn't make up, I didn't invent, but I, I stumbled my on my way to them the hard way. And so I brought them together so that others don't have to stumble and find their way to it. And so it's learn to meditate, radically change your diet, deepen your spirituality, release your repressed emotions, commune with your subconscious mind, and get in rapport with your subconscious mind. Have a reason to live, don't just not want to die. Not wanting to die is a fear response. And finally, take charge of your healthcare. No one has more skin in the game than you do. And it's those seven things that if you apply them, you have a much better chance of survival. In, in, uh, and you don't need to have cancer to put those things to work for you in your life. And 
My second book is Mastermind, Master Life. And it's the book I wanted to write first, but I had to get that can- that cathartic cancer story out. And so it's about what what is hypnosis? What, what's its history? What's going on in the body when you're hypnotized? You know, it used to be referred to as largely anecdotal and attributed more uh, to the power of the personality of the hypnotist than to any evidence-based procedures. But now we have functional MRIs and other imaging devices that allow us to know exactly what's going on in the brain when someone is in trance state. Dr. David Spiegel at uh, Stanford is doing some fantastic research, uh, Human Givens Project in the UK. We know now. It's no longer anecdote. And so so in Mastermind, Master Life, what's the history? Uh, uh, you know, healers since the dawn of humanity have used trance. Uh, shamans and other indigenous, and they still do. And so um, it's a very powerful healing modality. So what is it? What's its history? What does science say about it? And how can you apply it in your life? Mastermind, Master Life. And those are both available on Amazon in both uh, paperback and ebooks. That is wonderful. And I'll make sure that the readers can just click on it and find it. And uh, let us know if they want to contact you. If they say, hmm, I wonder if there's an event in my past that I don't know about, and maybe you can cover it. Or maybe there's something going on in my unconscious that I can change. How can they contact you? My website is my name, normanplotkin.com. I'm also on Facebook, Norman Plotkin Inc. I've got an IG account. I've got I'm on LinkedIn. So all the socials there. If you if you look up Norman Plotkin, uh, interesting. There's a there's a couple others of us. There's a dentist and a lawyer, but I'm the only hypnotherapist. <laughs> <laughs> and I make sure your website also it will be on the video and it will be underneath on the podcast version. Obviously, it was so inspiring to have you on the show, Norman. Thank you so, so much. And uh, I hope many people realize that there's more to mental health than popping pills. It can be a whole transformational experience that leads you to a better way of living. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. You know, I had a business coach tell me that I should start a podcast. And I I said, I don't want to be a podcaster in order to be a hypnotherapist. So uh, such gratitude for you uh, that you give this platform and that I can get my message out. Because if you can't tell, I'm on fire about hypnosis and hypnotherapy and how it can help you. And I, I do sessions in my office, but I also do so by Zoom with people all over the world. So um If you like that information, no more excuses. Wayne Dyer wrote a great book, Excuses Be Gone. My husband always reminds me, what's that for an excuse? Uh, (laughs) Contact Norman and get your life back in command, control, or let somebody else, higher spirit, control it. Ah, isn't that something? All right. Thank you so much again. And that was another episode of Sparkles for Mental Health. I hope you enjoyed it. Subscribe to the podcast, YouTube channel, and I hope to see you at the next episode. Bye-bye.